Welcome to Revelation Warning, a weekly podcast hosted by Pastor Robert Thibodeau as he interviews prophecy experts from around the world as we discuss current events in relation to Bible prophecy. All of this is to give the world a final Revelation Warning. Now, here is your host with this week's guest, Pastor Robert Thibodeau. Hello, everyone, everywhere. Pastor Robert Thibodeau here. Welcome to the Revelation Warning Podcast. We are so blessed that you're joining us here today. We're going to go into detail about the Ten Commandments. Now, no, I do not have Charlton Heston here today, but we do have someone, (laughs) maybe not as famous, but definitely an expert on the Ten Commandments. And that person is none other than our good friend, Scott Wright. Hey, man. Scott, welcome back as we continue on this quest of digging deeper into the kingdom of God and, as you put it, the God-centered concept. Hey, man. I appreciate your time this morning. Well, Bob, thank you for having me on the show. And, man, I'm looking forward to a fun discussion today. And uh, I hope the I hope you listeners out there are going to get to really be able to personalize the message today in all of our hearts. So this one's this one's definitely should hit home for all of us. Amen. Well, I guess the best way to start is say, you know, there's actually more than 10 commandments because Jesus gave us a greater commandment than the 10 commandments in the Old Testament. Am I right? Correct. Yeah. Well, tell us about your primary commandments. You, know, you I think you number them one, two, and 10 uh, as the primary ones. Is that right? It is correct. Yes. Okay. So let's just start there. Go ahead. Well, all right. So basically, if you really look at the Ten Commandments, they're as as God gave Moses the law up on the mountain and he gave him the Ten Commandments as the kind of the cornerstone of that law. What we have to understand, first of all, about the Ten Commandments is we have to ask ourselves, why did God do it that way? And we should ask those questions. You know, that's we should be we should come to the point in our faith that we're okay with asking why, because it actually should deepen our faith when we come to certain conclusions. That does not mean God is going to give us every answer. But I think this is one that we that God pre-built the answer before, during, and after. So here's what it is. The Ten Commandments are really a spiritual warfare guide. That's, That's the first overarching theme here. It is to keep you connected to him and to keep you from connecting to your enemy, the devil, Satan, Amen. however you want to say it. The Ten Commandments primary purpose was to keep is to keep you focused on God and to keep your heart turned towards the Lord mm-hmm. and away from your enemy. You see, when first of all, when we focus, first of all, our like when we talk about the two greatest commandments that Jesus spoke, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength and all your might. And then the second's fairly similar, love your neighbor as yourself. Notice the neighbor one is the second one. It is not the first one. The first one will lead to the second one. And he knew that. He knew if you're totally sold out to God, you'll automatically do the second. But it's that first one that's the key. And if you really look at the Ten Commandments, I am the Lord your God, 
you shall have no other gods before me. That's the first and greatest commandment. Well, that connects to the same thing that Jesus already said. The reason he tells us this is because our hearts are the key. And when our hearts are pointed and absorbed, not just pointed, but also completely focused and 100% absorbed in God, following all the other commandments is easy. Yeah. Amen. And it's really a spiritual warfare guide. What Christ is trying to do is to get people to realize that the enemy is attacking their hearts in whatever way. I mean, he's got all these different ways that lead to destruction, but they all try, their aim is to try to do the same thing. And that is to turn you away from your focus and your heart being attached to God. And so if you go to my podcast, God-Centered Concept, and you listen to episode one, it's about God's ownership, which totally attaches to the fact that God, you know, loving the Lord your God with all your heart, that's, it attaches to that commandment. You get the second in the culture, but the third is that attachment principle. That's where Satan attacks us is in those attachments. Yeah. And we're going to, yeah. we're going to hit these hard today when we talk about this. So to understand the Ten Commandments, we have to first understand that it is a spiritual warfare guide. It is a way to fight this war. If you really think about the Bible, it is God's authorship, his signature over all his creation. Yeah. That's what every part of the Bible is. And even some of the, you know, even if you dive into the writings that were not put in the Bible for whatever reason, you know, there's 66 books, but if you go to the original Orthodox book, it had more than that. Okay, so we, you can dive into that, and there's still a church in Ethiopia uh, that still exists. It's one of the original Christian churches that was established in that, uh, in Africa. They actually have, some say 81, all the way up to 88 books of the Bible, depending on how you break them down. So, and the Hebrew Bible actually breaks down differently, because if you look at Ezra and Nehemiah, they're put together as one. So they're they're one writing. So as you guys study the Bible itself, remember this. The, to the total work of that is the authorship and signature of God. But every bit of it, regardless of what they canonized or the books that they said were great, but they shouldn't be canonized, they all point to one thing, and that is God is the author, he's the owner, and the last piece of all this is they were spiritual warfare guides. Yeah. Amen. The Bible is a book of warfare, spiritual warfare. It is your guide into how to walk into that realm, because here's the thing. I heard a quote the other day that I think will really resonate. Your flesh does not care where your soul goes. Oh, that's the fact. Yeah. Because your flesh is going to die regardless so it really doesn't care where your soul goes but your soul that's the key and this soul lives in the spirit world all the time your flesh just blinds you from being able to see it all and your spirit needs these things like the ten commandments to keep your heart pointed and focused on the lord you want to live in the spirit you want to be spirit-led know these ten commandments Amen. And know the first one, that loving the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might, with all your strength is the key to all of them. Yep. Amen. So 
that first commandment is the greatest commandment, and it totally attaches to the same commandment that Jesus gave us. So the second commandment is you shall have no idols is I'm just going to, I'm going to make this real simple. You should have no idols. And remember this, God's name is jealous. He says it. He tells Moses that he is a jealous God. It is said in the new Testament, in the old Testament, you know, when we have that sense of jealousy, I want you to think about the most jealous spouse in the world that you've ever met. And, and God's jealousy is times a thousand yeah. of that. God loves you that much. It's because he loves you that much. But his love comes at a price in that he has to give you freedom because he wants you to love him back. And inside that freedom, you have the freedom to choose something else besides him. And when we do, that's an idol. It's not just setting up wood statues and and statues of gold and whatever and worship and bowing down to them. But when your heart attaches to something else, that is an idol. Amen. Amen. So, so the question is, is how does that start? Well, again, this attachment principle, we can go now to the 10th commandment. The 10th commandment says thou shall not covet. See, covetousness leads to idolatry which takes us away from the first commandment, putting God first, making God the center, not just putting him first. You need to make him the center. You need to make him the everything. See the first, the second and the 10th commandment are the three key commandments. Covetousness is what leads to the issues of commandments three through nine. When you covet, that's what leads you to do those other ones. Yeah. Amen. That it, and that's really all about attachment. So the 10th commandment, second commandment, and the first commandment, those are the three great commandments. Amen. Those are the level. Those are those spirit. That is that. Those are the ones that are built in the spirit. Okay. Those are one in the spiritual realm that you can't see. You really can't. You can't just physically see those like you like the other, the other, the other seven are physical issues. They are, they're, they're, they're the carrying out of covetousness. Yeah. They're the carrying out of idolatry. Amen. So one, Amen. two, and 10 are the three primary ones that really are a guide in spiritual warfare. The other seven are symptoms of our heart being attached to the wrong thing. Hmm. When we take the Lord's name in vain, it means our hearts are not right with God at that moment. I mean, think about it. Let's just go right down it. When we're not yeah. keeping holy the Lord's yeah. day, that means we're not setting aside time for God. And really, what Sabbath, first of all, <laughs> I love it when uh, people say, well, you didn't go to church on Sunday, so you're not keeping the Sabbath. I'm like, the Sabbath is actually Saturday. Mm-hmm if we want to get technical about it. So let's be careful there. And then number two, what that really means is, is that you should set out of every week, a 24 period hour period where you don't work. Yeah. There should be a 24 hour period every week that you don't work. And it allows you to rest so that your heart doesn't become too burdened with work and it detach itself from God. That is the point of Sabbath. The point of Sabbath is not that 
we make this idolatry thing of church, but that we make sure our hearts are attached to God. And what happens is, is our work can overburden us and make our heart not be attached to God. That's Amen. the point of Sabbath. Amen. So again, here's that covetous issue coming in. Yeah. All right. Coveting, coveting work. And then we get into the fifth one, honor thy mother and thy father. Okay, so when you're living under their roof, you shall honor them. What does that teach you? Why you're living under their roof? It should eventually transfer from your that kind of honoring towards your parents to when you move out of the house, now you honor God that way. It teaches you how to relate to God's authority. That's what it is. It's a precursor to when you're an adult that you're going to honor God the same way that you're honoring your mom and dad when you're living under their roof. That's what so, it is. So three through nine basically give the details about numbers one, two, and 10 and what it looks like when you're not focused on God. Exactly. And those, and think about it, three through nine, they're really symptoms. Yeah. And the first three are all about what's in your heart. They're all about what's going on in that spirit realm. Amen. Three through nine, that's what's coming out. It's kind of like from the mouth, the heart speaks. Mm -hmm. Well, <laughs> when we're committing, when we're, when we're in those 10 commandments, when we're looking at them, everything will fit. All of our sin will fit three through nine. Well, what comes out is a symptom. And that symptom leads right back to one, two, and 10. Amen. So one, two, and 10 are the primaries. And these other ones are the symptoms. So, and you think about this. So not honoring your parents, what's that eventually going to lead to? You're not honoring God. That's what it's going to lead to. It's going to be, re it's rebelliousness. All right. Amen. And then what's the next one right after that? Thou shall not murder. So think about this. Does, does murder usually start with the person committing the act? No, they think about no. it first. That's right. It usually derives from a spirit of fear. Fear leads to anger. Anger leads to hate. Hate leads to murder. Yeah. Fear. Well, who is the only person we should fear? The it's Lord, God. your God. Mm -hmm. That's right. If you have fear of the Lord, you won't fear life. So it'll help you basically not to commit a murder and not to be angry at other people. I heard a sermon one time that said this. We shall we should be living in a way. This is how you live in love. You love without you. You learn not to be offended. We don't take offense of anything. No matter what. Jesus was nailed to a cross and he forgave the people who did it to him while he was hanging there. Not just afterwards, but I think there's a point of the fact that he did it while he was in pain, while he was suffering, not after the suffering was done, but while the suffering, suffering was occurring. He showed that his heart was attached to Christ, to Christ's heart was attached to God and God's way and God's will. So I think in that realm that's a teaching of that commandment right there he did not allow his heart to covet fearing other people and fearing death 
he feared God more than he feared that. And he showed that there. So the next part, thou shalt not commit adultery. I want you to think about this. So every sexual sin that is committed is adultery. And then it leads to idolatry. So think about this. When when Paul is writing in 1 Corinthians, most people misunderstand 1 Corinthians chapter 6. What's happening is, is the temple, these temples had uh they had male and female prostitutes. And the purpose was is people would come up there, pay them, they would go into the temple and and do those type of activities, sexual activities with them, but they did it as a form of worship. Sex is a form of worship. So when we when we have it outside of the covenant of marriage, what happens is, is that is idolatry. Eventually, that's all sexual immorality is born from idolatry. All. Not, not one thing, not a few, all. So there's there's that commandment right there for you. And again, it just it's just your heart being misguided because of covetousness. And that means we're attached to the wrong things. The next commandment, thou shalt not steal. That one's pretty much like adultery. You know, you're you're attaching your heart to something that you're not supposed to. Covenant so that sends what doesn't belong to you. Exactly. That, you know, you have to you're supposed to trust God to give you what you need, not take it from somebody else. Yeah. But I'll say this right here. If you're coveting what somebody else wants, and this is going to take just like when Jesus said to just look upon somebody and lust after them, you've already committed adultery in your heart. It's because he's referring to commandment number 10 and, and relates back to two that you've committed, you've, you've created an, an idol out of mm. something. Yeah. Well, stealing is no different you've coveted what somebody else has when you're doing that that's also stealing if you're if you change the pursuit of your life to have what somebody else has and that's the reason that's stealing yeah it's the same thing like when you commit adultery just like when you when you hate somebody you've already committed murder in your heart yeah when you rebel against God, you're breaking, you're breaking the fifth commandment. I mean, think about it. You're breaking that commandment to honor your father and your mother because honoring them was supposed to teach you not to be rebellious towards God. Yeah. That's right. Amen. So, so let me make sure I got these numbers right. I think I uh, confused them. Taking the Lord's name in vain is number three. All right. The Sabbath is number four. Uh, not honoring your mother and your father is number five. Number six is murder. Number seven is adultery. Number eight is stealing. And then number nine is when we don't honor the truth. And we use, and, and I'm going to say this, if we use the truth as a weapon against people, you're breaking commandment number nine. I've seen it done. I've had it done to me where, you know, when you tell the parts of the truth that make you look good and, uh, and you don't tell the parts um, 
and you're not you're not given the whole picture that's the same as lying yeah that's commandment number nine it is Mm -hmm. you know hey and i've we've always heard the old saying all is fair in love and war so the first hey the first (laughs) i'll say this the first uh form or the all war and and many times <laughs> luck can be like this is all based on deception but that's commandment number nine yeah amen. amen you can you can deceive by telling the truth this is exactly why jesus said let your yes be yes your no be no everything else comes from the evil one <laughs> because the intent of your heart when you tell the truth yeah matters just as much as you telling the truth if you are using the truth as a weapon that is both that is idolatry that is covetousness it really is so as we think about those things why do i tell you this because three through nine is a measure of your heart's condition and if you are having an issue in three through nine you need to look at ten and two what am i attached to what am i creating idols out of man because that's what's going on at the spiritual level who is driving this where's the root of this where did this begin okay so these are questions that you ask when you're when you're when you're diving deep into this and god wanted his nation israel he wanted his people the jewish nation of that time and in our uh, us as christians today he wants us to question those things because in questioning that what happens is is it leads us to dive deeper into it and to realize that these 10 commandments are our spiritual warfare guide i i will tell you if you read the book of deuteronomy go and spend six months in deuteronomy learn especially learn chapters four through 12. those chapters will teach you everything you ever needed to know about spiritual warfare jesus in the wilderness when he quoted the word of god and fought satan was quoting deuteronomy deuteronomy is not just a book of law i've heard i've talked to pastors yeah that's the law kind of like it's this other thing first of all the torah those five books are the most important five books of the Bible, period. I don't care if you're Hebrew or Christian, because yeah. they set the tone and set the stage for everything else. Jesus comes out of these first five books, folks. Without Genesis 3, there's no need for Jesus. <laughs> I mean, there isn't. Because yeah, true. He, yeah. he was there already yeah. in spirit. He was there at the beginning. But he did not have to manifest himself as a man to come forgive us for our sins until Adam and Eve had sinned. Mm-hmm. That's where that starts. So we have to understand that. And, and so made in perfection, we became imperfect. And so Christ had to come and perfect us again by becoming the perfect sacrifice for our sin. So that's that's the thing. And again, he goes right back. When they sinned, what were they doing? They were really questioning God's authority. Yeah, that's co- and, and Eve was coveting, and she got Adam to covet. And Adam should have put a stop to it, and he didn't. 
and instead he coveted with her, therefore taking the fruit and committing idolatry. They questioned God's authority. They questioned his word, his truth. Uh, This several years ago, I I had a vision of this, you know, not a, not a glorious vision or anything like that, just to, to simplify it in my mind, you know, we know Jesus with the father at creation and all that. And when man fell in the garden of Eden, I can almost see Jesus say, all right, let me go clean up this mess. <laughs> you, know, type thing, you know, like a parent would, you know, when uh, Johnny don't spill the drink. All right. Don't worry about it. I'll clean it up. You can almost picture that like, oh man, that, uh, uh, all right. Let me go get ready. I got to go down there and fix this. <laughs> Amen. And that's exactly, and that's exactly what Jesus did. He fixed our problem. Amen. Amen. You know, he, you know, a lot of people say Deuteronomy is the book of the law, but it's, as you're saying, it, it's an explanation of what God expects of us. Right. And Amen. why? Yeah. Amen. Amen. And and the first five books of the Bible, you know, I mean, and the book of Revelation. I mean, you got to include that one because all that reflects the first five books. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Amen. Explain that for us one more time, because I think that's important. Sure. Well, hey, Deuteronomy, in a way, is a beginning. And God is really bringing into focus what's going on in the spirit. He's when he gives the Ten Commandments, he's really bringing it into focus how to honor him and why that's important. And if you if you continue to dive into the book of Deuteronomy, God is going to give you all kinds of life applications in that book. There are so many life applications in the book of Deuteronomy. I can't I mean, we could we could spend weeks on a podcast just talking about Deuteronomy. Yeah. That's how much is involved in Deuteronomy. We could take it from historical. We could take it from walking in the spirit and spiritual warfare. We could take it in to doing a critical analysis of the whole entire word of God through the book of Deuteronomy. I mean, that's how in-depth Deuteronomy is, folks. I challenge every one of you to read that book. And what it'll do is it'll get you to read the rest of the Torah. You'll read Leviticus and Numbers, and it'll make the thing it'll make it jump off the page it will it'll make exodus jump off the page it'll help you reading genesis as well so the deuteronomy has that but in a sense deuteronomy is a beginning moses is standing right outside the promised land on the plains of moab giving a sermon is basically what this is it's a very long sermon, so and it, it stretches out over days. But what he's doing is he's given a picture to the people, and it's kind of a it's kind of a pregame speech. You know, it's it's hey, we're getting ready to go into postseason play here. This is for the championship. And he's the coach getting them prepared to go out there, except he's not gonna be on the sidelines when they cross. That's gonna be Joshua. He's gonna he's gonna appoint Joshua the new head coach when this when this happens at the very end because Moses is not allowed to cross and, and in Deuteronomy Moses even talks about why 
He defied God in a moment that he should have been demonstrating faith. So, the waters of Meribah, yes, of course. Yep. But Amen. anyway, Deuteronomy is that book, and it's a beginning of sorts for the nation of Israel. Revelation is an ending. It's an endpoint both for the church and for Israel. It's an endpoint of life as we know it on earth. It's an ending. It it is yeah. it is the conclusion. And so Deuteronomy and Revelation are a total fit. If you think of it as you know, think of it as a as a puzzle that's just one long panoramic puzzle. Revelation is the very end of that puzzle. It's the last few pieces. Yeah. Yeah. It's the it's that last big corner <laughs> of the puzzle yeah. that finishes it and makes it come out into perfection. See, God is going to perfect everything that's been messed up. He will eventually perfect this. But in perfecting it, God has to rid the world of sin. If you really think about what goes on in the book of Revelation during the tribulation, when all these horrific things are being poured out on the earth, what they really are is they are opportunities for people to repent one last Amen. time. What God is doing is it's like he is squeezing the last, and this is the way I think of Revelation, when when all the plagues and all the stuff are coming out, when he is releasing each spirit, the bowls of wrath, all the stuff. And I'm not, I don't want to get into detail. We could spend months on that. But as that is all being done, every piece of it, okay, every piece of it is like him squeezing the last few drops out of that orange to get that last bit of orange juice. He's trying to, he's trying to get every last soul he can yeah amen committed to him purposes to go to heaven exactly and it's the whole purpose of christ i mean who is it who's the father gonna send to end all this and to perfect it it's christ he perfect he he showed us the way of perfection the preparation in his death and resurrection he sent into heaven sent back the holy spirit basically to collect the rest of the kingdom. And then when he returns, only the father knows the hour. Yeah. Not even the son knows the hour, but he will tell Christ it is time. And Christ will come back to the earth and finish this. Well, It'll let's... all be finished. Only God knows the final hour. I've given you yep. a prognostication of a, of a timeline. Mm -hmm. But the Holy Spirit gave me that, and he showed me how it was embedded. And it's really embedded in the Word of God. There's evidence of it. But yeah. did he tell me the exact day? No. I don't know the exact day. Nobody does. Only God knows that. Only the Father knows the exact day. And revelation to Deuteronomy is that. It is so much. Deuteronomy is so much of a beginning. And revelation is the end to that beginning. You know, we can we can dial it back to Genesis. Yeah. You know, Noah is the beginning. A lot of people say it's an end. It is an end to one thing, 
but it's the beginning of another. And from Noah to right before they crossed the Jordan, that's like a whole big picture of a story. It really is. So some people say it's from Abraham to Mo till Moses dies. That's like one section. So however you want to divide that out, Deuteronomy, though, is a beginning. Revelation is an end. And these Ten Commandments are your spiritual warfare guide to understanding your heart. That was the whole point of the Ten Commandments. See, Jesus came, and when he talked about on the Sermon on the Mount, when he gave the Sermon on the Mount, he started with the Beatitudes. The Beatitudes are a reset of the Ten Commandments. The reason he said that the way he did, and it's funny how he did it on a mountain, just like when Moses was receiving the Ten Commandments from God, he did it on a mountain. Amen. True. Why? Because what he was doing is a reset. What He was not speaking against the Ten Commandments, folks. What he was doing is he was giving the original intention of the Ten Commandments, and he was talking about the condition of the heart. If you read the Beatitudes, they are a pattern, they are a connector, they are a step-by-step -step guide. They are. Matthew chapter 5, when we start to break down the Beatitudes in Matthew chapter 5, and we look at those, okay? Blessed are the poor in heart, for they shall see God. Or, excuse me, that's blessed are the pure in heart, they shall see God. So, starting at the very beginning. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. That's salvation. Why? Think about what you do. When you receive Christ, you have to humble your heart and submit to him, right? That's being poor in spirit. You have to become poor in spirit to receive Christ. All right, so what's the next step? Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. What he's talking about is that you're going to mourn the passing of your old life. You're going to mourn that. You're going to mourn the old self dying. That's what that is. Well, in that process, you now become humble and meek. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Well, there is going to come a time in the thousand-year reign where we're going to, we're going to do that. So... Through those first three steps, what have we done? We received salvation, and we've been humbled by submitting to Christ. Yeah, amen. Completely and totally. After that, then you start to get this fill of hunger after you've went through those steps. If you look at the process of Revelation chapter 3, verses 18 through 21, that's no different. It, that's kind of pre-built into the Beatitudes. Those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, well, when you get that zeal, that hunger for the word of God, because real righteousness is God. It's his truth. It's his word. It's his spirit. You're going to, when you start really hungering for those things, that nothing else in your life is more important than that, you shall be filled. When you make that the center of your attention, that's exactly what Jesus was saying. When you make me, He's saying, and I'm and I'm speaking on Christ's behalf, not myself. When you make me the focus of your attention, I'm going to fill you. It it re relates right to Matthew chapter six, verse thirty three. It relates right 
to Luke 14, when we get down into the later part of that chapter, starting around verse 26, when he says, deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. What is that saying? Again, it's that everything is geared towards Christ, that your entire focus is about his righteousness. It's about his total righteousness. I'll tell you, a good uh, a good breakdown for that is this one. Go to Luke chapter 14. Start with verse 26. Go through about 33 and just read that and meditate on it. I, I, would, I would tell you guys to do that because Jesus gives some hard sayings there, but what he's really doing is he's angling your heart to be attached to him and to his purpose and God's will, period. See, Jesus submitted to the will of the Father, and he's teaching them that here in the Beatitudes. These Beatitudes are connected to that verse, to that passage, excuse me. The Beatitudes are connected to the Ten Commandments because Jesus is talking about the condition of the heart. After we've hungered and thirst for righteousness, we're filled. When we're filled, we're filled with the Spirit. The first thing we do is we show mercy. We're merciful. We we don't go around holding people's sin against them. You know why? Because we realize how much God has forgiven us. Yeah. Amen. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall be shown mercy. That is a condition of your heart. And then the next part, so, so you've absorbed the truth now. Now we go to the next part. This is just like in our process. Step two. Put on the white garments, Revelation chapter 318. Buy from me white garments to clothe yourselves and cover your shameful nakedness. Well, guess what? Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons and daughters of God. Children of God, if you will. So, those beatitudes are setting a condition of the heart, but they're a step-by-step -step process almost. Just like the same thing we're giving you in Revelation chapter 3, verses 18 through 21. The same thing that's given to Moses at the Ten Commandments. Yeah. God is pre-building processes. He really is. He's given you the processes to follow. He's given you commandments 1, 2, and 10. He bookend them is a good way to think of it. And then all the other stuff is squeezed in between. All the symptoms, all the tasty and meaty stuff is in the middle, but those bookends are what hold it all together. Amen. Well, in these Beatitudes, Jesus is doing a reset, talking about the condition of the heart because he knew their heart had drifted away from the original purpose of the Ten Commandments, from the original purpose that you have to realize that in the center of that temple was the Ark of the Covenant, and they contained contain the Ten Commandments. And the Shekinah presence of God did not fill the entire temple. It sat on the mercy seat that sat right on top of the Ark of the Covenant and shined right through to the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments are that key. And so when we break those Ten Commandments, the process of getting to those Ten Commandments through the process, the seven steps of the process of through the or the, the process of going through the temple and, and going through that for those 10 days, which by the way, the nation of Israel is doing right now. 
the day of atonement is this next Monday. Time of the recording. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Yom, Yom Kippur. I mean, mm-hmm. so think about it. What is that to do? It is to reconnect you to the Shekinah presence of God, which is sitting on the mercy seat, which is sitting right above the Ten Commandments. And the Amen. point is, is that those Ten Commandments are there to show you, first of all, the condition of your heart. They also, as Paul says, show you your sinfulness mm-hmm. and how sinful we are. The Beatitudes that Jesus gives is very connected to the Ten Commandments in that it's it's he's showing the condition of the heart. He's teaching. He's doing a heart reset right here for the nation of Israel. And then eventually that would spread to the Gentiles. And he knew that, you know, when he gave that speech, he knew that that was what was going to happen. And he's trying to tell us again the same thing God is telling Israel with the Ten Commandments is that it is all about the condition of the heart. Amen. Scott, this has been so good. And yeah, we definitely need to focus, you know, not so much on, you know, you hear, oh, you know, the Old Testament has passed away. You know, Jesus is, you know, no, Jesus said, I didn't come to do away with the law. I came to fulfill it. Exactly. So if you're, in Christ, you are fulfilling the law. Exactly. But that's you need to translate that from your spirit into your mental acuity and and understanding of what it is you're fulfilling. And it all centers around the right where you started. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, all your body, and love your neighbor as yourself, as Jesus said. Because when you do that, you're not going to covet. You're not going to commit adultery. You're not going to do any of that other stuff. You're not going to steal. You're going to love your neighbor as you would love yourself. Exactly. Praise God. Scott, how can someone get in touch with you? They have questions or want to get more information on this. Well, they can uh, email me at gccgodcenteredconcept2038 at gmail.com. And I've also uh, got a God Centered Concept journal. It's a basic journal with the names of God and the declarations of Jesus in it. And they can buy that on Amazon. God-centered concept. T.S. Wright is my uh, is my handle name or my stage name, if you will, my authorship name. And, you know, one thing, I, hey, I wanted to say about this, Bob, and, and I think this is so important. You know, I brought up that point today, and I, I want to make sure I include this. And this just kind of hit me as we're speaking. Jesus, in, when he talks in Luke chapter 14 about denying yourself, take up your cross and follow me, you know that whole idolatry thing we talked about mm-hmm. in the second commandment and in the 10th commandment, the covenants? He was trying to give us something to focus on, the cross. Yeah. See, the cross should be your focus. Jesus on the cross should be your focus. Yeah. And if we really understand the cross, that's where our hearts should be attached to. If our hearts are attached to the cross, if they are attached to that, then we're idolizing exactly what we're supposed to. Not the wood structure itself, but what it means. We're attached to what it means. We're attached to the fact that Christ sacrificed and he tells us to sacrifice our life for him, just as he sacrificed himself for us. That 
is the true that is the true goal of a christian amen yeah the, the heart that the cross is the centerpiece of your heart it truly is it is the shekinah presence of god it that is where the mercy seat is that's where everything is that that focus of worship that focus of your life is the cross that's why he said it he didn't just say it as in taking up a cross just for suffering's sake mm. to suffer and to deny yourself all those things are important parts of getting there mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but the cross is where it's at the cross is that figment it is that symbol of your worship not anything else nothing else in your life the cross is the centerpiece in the temple we are god's temple we are the temple right now the yeah. temple is our right. bodies for the right. holy spirit and the cross is the shekinah presence of god it is the center it is the ark of the covenant man what are we only talking about next time well um obviously we want to get into some interesting pieces here that i think are so important we're gonna we're gonna sort of dive back into that whole relating what's going on right now to what's the book of revelation what's going on with the book of revelation and how there's a buildup right now it's like we were talking about before the pieces of the puzzle are starting to come together and here's the thing there's going to be a third temple built at some point here it's coming and these other pieces of this puzzle are going to eventually lead to that yeah and i think i think it's time that we we probably start talking a little bit about that to kind of show people what's happening in the world what it, it they're like puzzle pieces that are in in these in this puzzle these pieces have been scattered everywhere but they're starting to come together you know that whole thing 2038 we talked about that already mm -hmm. well that's just one piece but it's all coming together and and you can kind of see it now and i think that's something we need to dive into amen praise god folks as i say each and every time there is no doubt we're living in the last of the last days i mean you it, even an atheist has to admit this is not a good time <laughs> that is happening in the world right now everything is deteriorating and it's designed that way because the world's gonna die and pass away you know jesus is going to recreate the whole thing all over again as the new heaven and new earth comes down from heaven. Praise God, the new Jerusalem. And unfortunately, not everybody's going to be there. Uh, your choice is, I believe it and I receive it, or uh, this is just a bunch of hogwash. You don't want to be in that second camp. That's what we're trying to get across here. The Ten Commandments, you know, it's impossible for you to keep every single one of them all the time. But that's what forgiveness is for. That's what grace is for. That's why Jesus came so that you could receive that forgiveness when you missed the mark. But you have to at least try. You know, it's just like, you know, a kid trying to hit a baseball. You know, these home run hitters and, and major league stars. They did not start that way when they were six years old, right? They missed it more often than not, but they kept trying and they got better at it and they kept trying and they got better at it. And they kept trying. And they got better at it. 
it's the same way in your Christian walk. You have to start with Jesus. And from there, you'll just get better at it. And when you miss the mark, say, sorry, Lord, I messed that one up. And you go at it again. You know, uh, Scott, I appreciate your time in explaining all this stuff because the book of Deuteronomy is so full. I mean, almost every single verse has a, a golden nugget with it. And, and that's why the emphasis, you know, they call it the book of the law for a reason, because that contains the whole thing. And, and the, the Pharisees and Sadducees, they developed it into a rigid rule, you know, and, and punishment if you, if you violated it. And that's why Jesus said, you know, I didn't come to do away with it. I came to fulfill it. So now through me, you can fulfill it. And, and that's the whole point. It's got to be through Christ. You know, we're talking about what we're learning here is, is what should be done. And we should strive to achieve that. But at the same time, we cannot feel condemnation when we fall short because Jesus fulfilled all of it. All we got to do is stay centered in him. A God-centered concept through Christ Jesus. Put it that Amen. way. Amen. Folks, that's all the time we have for today. Scott, I appreciate your time coming back on and explaining these details to us. And I can't wait for our next one, man. Thank you, Bob. And hey, it's been a great pleasure just to be on the show with you. And not only this time, but all the times that we've done, it's been, uh, uh, I, I enjoy it so much and I'm looking forward to our next one. Amen. Amen. Folks, till next time, for Scott Wright, myself, as passed by reminded, be blessed. You have been listening to Revelation Warning with Pastor Robert Thibodeau and his guest expert on Bible prophecy as it relates to current events. This podcast is not designed to invoke fear, but concern. Help us to make everyone aware that the soon return of Jesus is close at hand by clicking the like, subscribe, and then share buttons below. Share this episode with your loved ones, friends, and co-workers. For more information on our ministry, please visit podcasterforchrist.com and be sure to come back next week for another episode of Revelation Warning.